Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, thank you so much for being here and for being a part of our worship service. And uh, it's exciting what God's doing at Oasis, and I'm excited for the holiday season. Let me give you a couple real quick things that I normally don't do this, but um, that way I don't have to at the end of the service. But I want everybody to look in the far corner. Can everybody look in the far corner? Do you see three Christmas trees or do you see four? Four, yay. One of them has white stuff all over it. That's our angel tree. If you're interested in helping and doing any of those things, we, are, we do an angel tree here every year that helps us supply people within our church and some without our, or from outside of our church that may not be able to do Christmas gifts or things of that nature. So grab one of those and buy a gift for somebody. And, and uh, when you're done, when you purchase it, Put it back over there. We're going to decorate that whole thing between now and the, the time that those are delivered. That'll be kind of piled with gifts and different things. We also do Christmas baskets, similar to what we did at Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm really excited. Um, uh, what's your name? Rebecca. Rebecca Dean has done an awesome job. And uh, we are doing, I think, what is it, 21? Is it 21? Right now we have 21 baskets that we're looking to fill for Christmas. And that's awesome. I'm excited about that. But what makes me excited is it's not just, yes, we're serving our church community and our church body, but we're partnering with, uh, I think over Christmas we have, we have baskets that are going to the military, and then we also have baskets in, in, that we're going to in Boulder City at St. Jude's Ranch um, out there. And so it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad and proud of, of what we're able to do here at Oasis. So uh, if you would be involved uh, grab those. There's a there's a paper over there that tells you everything that we need for the get the Christmas baskets, and uh, that is what is helpful with the Christmas baskets is if you purchase the things that are on the list, um, and uh, then the things that are not out of date. I don't know how many of you go shopping and purchase the stuff on the shelf that says like it was supposed to be sold a year ago, but uh, when we deliver those things. Uh, we like them to be up to date. And so if you could, we love that you're helping, but if you just grab in your clo- or in your cupboards and just be like, oh, I don't need this. I haven't used these in a while. Um, if you could just do the things that are on their list, that way it's, uh, it, it's yeah. You get my drift? You follow me? Uh, so we thank you for helping, but if you could uh, keep those <laughs> best if purchased by before the date that we give it to them. That would be awesome. So, um, and all the stuff is back there. If you have questions or concerns or any of those things, Rebecca will be back there at the table and she'll help you with those things and uh, uh, in, in helping out in all of that area. And then lastly, our Christmas dinner and our Christmas program on December 14th. I completely forgot to say anything about it last week, but uh, please be a part of that. It's December 14th. We'll have uh, food at 5.30 and then the program itself is at 6.30 and some of the stuff you can see, some of the set is up here and if you sit in the front couple rows, you're filled with uh, glitter and things of that nature um, because we've been doing some dress rehearsals and things. It's all with our children this year and uh, so come and get a good laugh because there's nothing better than a program full of three-year-olds to 10, 12, 14-year-olds and uh, so we want you to be a part of that. So please, please do so, and we look forward to that. This morning, we're going to continue the, ser- the series, the sermon series, there we go, on Follow the Leader. And if this is your first time, we've been 
basically what I've done is I've taken the idea of, of Christ and, and Jesus Christ coming to earth, and right prior to Christmas, we're getting into this, but we, we know that Christ came, and we, we can understand all those things, but here within our cultures, regardless of what you do, where you go, and whatever it is, we all follow people. We all follow a leader. Some of you, and I stated this in the very first week of this series, some of you have to follow people because you go to work, and you have a boss that's over you, and you have no choice but to kind of do what they say if you want to have the job that you currently hold. If you don't, then I guess you can choose otherwise, and you can let me know, and I'll pray that you can find the right job. But regardless, we all follow people. Some of us follow, again, because we have to, but there's others that we follow because we've chosen to. You, if you are a member of Oasis Baptist Church, like it or not, have chosen to follow me as I try to do my best to follow Christ. Some of that is very scary, and I understand that, and I I get that. But nonetheless, we all follow. We all follow, and we look for certain character traits, and we look for for certain things and people that we are following after. If you watch the news, if if you have noticed across all television spectrums, our society is crazed with following the popular people of our society. For whatever reason they're popular, I don't get it. Some are popular because their parents were rich and they got money and they became popular. I don't understand. They've never done anything. I don't get the Hiltons. I don't understand it. You don't care. But regardless, there's certain things that we can follow or whatever, but we're crazy about rock stars and about um, all of the different pop cultures and all of these things. There's There's whole entire television programming just for that. Some of you may watch it. That's awesome. If you sit at home at 5, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night, whenever those shows come on, and they tell you all the gossip of everything that took place and who got divorced and who's dating and who's doing what, that's awesome. But here's the reality. What I'm saying is people follow those people. We follow stars in our society. We all follow people. And throughout this series, the, the intent or part of the goal of this is that we would look at Christ and look at the traits, not all of them, but look at some of the character traits, look at the, the traits of Christ and who he is. Why do I follow Christ? Why do you follow Christ? Maybe you're sitting here and you don't follow Christ and that's why you came and you're just trying to figure this thing out. The big question mark on top of your head is, I don't get religion. This is weird. I don't, I don't understand. And, and that's also part of this as well. But we've looked at a number of different things. We started the series off with humility. We talked about Jesus is, is coming and hit how humble that he was. We talked about Jesus being a servant in the second, the second week. Last week we looked at forgiveness. Hopefully today will be a little more lively than last week as forgiveness is one of those uh, quiet subjects. But we talked about forgiveness and Jesus coming and and forgiving and all of the different things that of of even then it led to us and that we must forgive. And so as we go through this today, we're gonna we're gonna look at another trait of Christ or or another thing of 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 who Christ is. I hate calling it a character trait because it's really just who he is. (laughs) But But when we look at these things, I want to go, and I've said this almost every week, I think this is probably one of the most important. 
You get that? Do we often do that? This is probably the most important. Then we go to the next subject. We're like, well, this is probably the most important. I really think every week I've said this is probably the most important. But as we go through today, I believe today is one of the key foundations of why all the other things took place. And we're looking today at the idea of Christ and compassion. If we go throughout the New Testament, there's a number of passages of Scripture where Jesus speaks and says he is moved with compassion. Or maybe one of the disciples are writing, or in the Gospels they're writing, and they make mention of Christ being moved with compassion. And so we're going to look today at that. And as I lead into this, I want to just kind of stop and take a, a look at As we go through all of these things, the goal of understanding a little bit more of who Christ is and the goal of of tackling all of these things, that it's not just something that we would go, that's a great sermon. Yes, God was moved with compassion, but that we would take these things and make them who we are, make them a part of who I am. I said this in the first week, the thing, one of the things that blows my mind in in, in studying and reading is Christ doesn't have the character trait of humility. Christ is humility. Christ doesn't have, like we have, we hope to have patience and we put on patience. We pray for patience. If you have kids, you pray extra hard for patience. But we pray and we think, God, if, if I can be a little bit more patient, And all these things that we've talked about in the last few weeks and what we're going to talk about today, God just doesn't have a part of him that is that. God, Christ, is that. And it boggles my mind. But for us, we're trying the best that we can. We can go back to the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. And we go through all those. And it says to put those on. We're to put these on to, to who we are. And as I've been going through and as I was studying and as I'm kind of continually leading through and just a few weeks ago we really laid out some of the mission and vision of who Oasis is and I'm I'm starting to think of these things and I'm tying it together and I'm looking at our mission at Oasis is to be and create passionate followers of Christ. My goal, the mission, the ultimate goal of Oasis is that we would be passionate followers of Christ and that we would bring people along that they would become passionate followers of Christ. And I'm thinking of that, and I'm thinking, wow, what if our church would put on all of these traits? What if we would be humble? What if our church would be a church that's just humble, and in that they serve each other and serve others? What if we didn't just do that? What if we took it a step further? We were a forgiving church. What if we were truly and genuinely a compassionate church? And then I take that even a little bit further and I look at our vision of family of believers growing in the word of God daily, encouraging one another, living a Christ-centered life so that the power of Christ through Oasis creates an impact on the community that transforms, leading others to Christ and uniting us for God's glory. And I look at that statement and I think, wow, if we put all of these things on, and I'm just touching on a, on a few of them this, in this series, but if we put some of these things on humility and servanthood and forgiveness and compassion, 
And we begin to grow in God daily. We begin to encourage one another. We begin to live that Christ-centered life. How powerful of an impact can this place have within our community? As we do all of those things, that at the core of who we are, we know Him, we worship Him, we walk with Him, we share Him, we are a family of believers. And I just... Some of it gets exciting, and then some of it gets really, really kind of hits home when you go, oh, but that means I have to do some of these things. That means there might be something within my lifestyle that I need to cut out or change. But as I look at all of these different things, and we'll go through a number of things today, it's exciting to think that God, in His sovereignty and in who God is, would allow you and I to be any of these things into the community in which God has placed us. And as we go through today and we look at this idea of compassion, and we, we really, as, as we look at this and the thought that, that Christ had compassion, how that completely transformed not just the people and what was taking place at that point in time, but how it genuinely transforms and changes who I am and who we're able to be when we put that on our own Christian life. In the introduction, I'm going to go through a couple passages here in the book of Psalms. And if you, if you want, you can go through it. I believe they're on the screen. But in Psalm 78 and verse 38, Psalm 78 and verse 38, it says, But he, being full of compassion... He being full of compassion, what did he do? Because of his compassion, he forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. If we're to go to another passage in Psalm 86, in verse number 15, we see another similar thing. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Why? Is God gracious and long-suffering and, and having mercy and all of those things? Because God is a God that's full of compassion. If we were to go to Psalm 119, or 111, I'm sorry. In Psalm 111, in verse number 4. Again, He hath made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is what? Gracious and full of compassion. In Psalm 112, in verse number 4, it almost exactly the same, repeats the same exact verse there, but unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and what? Full of compassion and righteous. And the last verse here in Psalms is 145, in verse number 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. And as we look at so many of these different things, and we'll tackle some of these in the sermon this morning, but as we look at so many of these different things, I think of that first one that I just read, being full of compassion, what did he do? He forgave. Because of his compassion, he forgives. Because of his compassion, he, he has mercy. Because of his compassion, he, he has done and granted to us the things that, that he has granted to us, though we don't deserve them. And this morning, before we get into 
the, the passage where we'll be in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. I want to I kind of take us through a, a few chapters, and I'm going to do that quickly. I don't know how quickly a pastor can go through uh, four chapters of the Bible, but I'm going to do that in the next couple minutes here. But if we start in Matthew chapter 5, and again, I'm not reading all of those, but uh, if we start in Matthew chapter 5, we see the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. And we look at Jesus, he's starting to teach, and he's really kind of, I guess you could say, laying out some of the things of how we should live our lives and some things that we should be putting on and doing to live our lives. And we start in chapter number 5, he speaks of, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he goes through a number of passages there. In chapter 5, he says, we are the salt of the earth. He says, we are the light of the world. He talks about the law in chapter number 5. He talks about anger. He talks about adultery and, and teaches on adultery and divorce. And he teaches on how we should love our enemies. As we continue in chapter 6, he talks about giving and prayer. He speaks and teaches on fasting. He teaches that our treasures should be laid up in heaven, not here on earth. He continues that he mentions no man can serve two masters. As we go through chapter and get to chapter number 7, we see that Jesus teaches that we should not judge. He speaks in chapter 7 and teaches on the golden rule that we do unto others. He speaks on the straight gate, enter at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. He also teaches on the straight gate and narrow the way that leadeth unto life. In chapter 7, the, 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 the passage that speaks on the two foundations, rock and sand, where our kids sing the song so many times in Sunday school. Jesus teaches all throughout these three chapters on many things of how we are to live and things that we are to do. And then as we come to chapter number 8, we really see Jesus, in essence, putting his money where his mouth is, so to speak. And Jesus, we see, starting to perform some miracles. And Jesus, we see, starting to do some other ministry things in chapter 8. Jesus heals the leper. He does what no other man at that time, really would have done. What do we know of lepers and leprosy and the different things? They were kind of cast out. They were put away. You didn't go near them. You stayed away from them. And Jesus went and touched the man who had leprosy. And he healed. He goes on to heal the centurion's servant's son. Who was paralyzed or he was very sick. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus challenges the disciples to leave and to come and to follow. And we see that in this passage in chapter 8, one of the disciples said, but hey, let me go, let me go over here. Basically, my, my father is dying. Let me go. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Then he enters the ship to go get rest, and he was awakened because the, the, the storm was coming, and he calms the storm. The demoniacs that he cast out, into the, out of, into the swine and the swine into the sea. And as we continue to go to chapter number 9, we see Jesus healing the paralyzed man. Jesus called Matthew to follow him. Jesus taught the disciples on fasting. Jesus heals the ruler's daughter. 
The woman touches the garment of Jesus. Two blind men receive sight. The dumb speak. And it leads us to where we will be today in Matthew chapter 9. And I'm going to read verse 35 before we we go a little bit further. But it says in verse 35 of Matthew chapter 9, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And what we just read, or what I just very, very briefly, quickly went through from chapter number 5 leading up to this passage, is Jesus having gone and done and teaching and healing and doing some of those things throughout that period of time. And we come to a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter number 9, where Jesus becomes and makes mention of himself being compassionate, having compassion on the people. Before we get into that passage, if we go to Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 21 we see Jesus... I'm sorry, 41. (laughs) I'll learn to read my own writing here in a minute. But in Luke number 19 and verse 41 says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. And this is a passage of Jesus going into Jerusalem as, as, as a tri, the triumphal entry. And as Jesus comes to and he sees over the city, Jesus is moved with compassion to the point of weeping over the city. As we look at this idea this morning of compassion, I've done some study and I've, I've looked up the definition. And basically what compassion is, is it is having a pity. It is being hurt. It's, I kind of stated it like this. It's not just where you feel bad for somebody, but it's when you feel bad and it, it affects you in a physical manner. It is a genuine hurt and pain over a situation. We may look at it and we may go downtown or we may drive and maybe we have compassion on the homeless or we have compassion who don't have. Or we may look at some and we may have compassion and we genuinely have compassion. But Jesus comes to a place in Luke chapter 19, as we'll read as he did in Matthew chapter 9, where he was moved with compassion. In 19 it says that he wept over that city. And this morning as we go and we'll start reading here in Matthew chapter number 9. In verse number 36 we see that Jesus was moved with, the, with compassion. And that compassion, and we'll see why he had the compassion that he had. And then based on that, what he did about it. And I believe it becomes real to each one of us if we take this and implement it and put it into our own lives. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36. We're going to read three, three verses this morning. It says in 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. 
Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray this morning. Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this passage of scripture that we're looking at today. God, I thank you that you are a compassionate God. Lord, I pray that we would take that and grow and learn the things that you're teaching us today in your word. Lord, that we would implement your truth. Lord, we'd put on these things. That we would make an impact, that we would make a difference in this city, in our families, because of compassion. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we get into this, these first, or this, really this short passage of Scripture here, and many of us, we've all heard, I would assume most of us have been in church, have heard this passage preached, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. But I really want to spend the bulk of my time this morning on that passage, or that verse number 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. And here's why this week this has jumped out at me as I've been studying is we look at verse 35 and Jesus taught, starting in chapter number 5, Jesus was teaching and Jesus was, was with people and, and the more that he taught and the more that were healed, the more that would follow and the multitudes began to gather and everywhere he would go, people would just flock to go see Jesus. Some of them would flock because they wanted to follow Christ. They understood and they were getting the point of who he was. Some of them were flocking just like many of us do to to movie houses or to the the theaters or to to a different location or to a concert or to an athletic event because we're we just want to see what that person is or that what that whatever that thing is that we love. We just want to flock to it to just see what's going to take place and what's going to happen. If you're like me, it was last night watching Ohio State Buckeyes whoop up on Wisconsin. Amen. Some of you don't care. I need to figure out how to make this a sports church. i got to figure that out. But we go and we do things and we follow people. And these people at this time, the multitude, and it speaks over and over throughout throughout the Gospels that, that different places, the multitudes would gather. And here we see, Matthew chapter 9, the multitudes had gathered. And when Jesus just kind of stopped, and he may, I don't know, it doesn't say specifically where he was. If he was up on a mountain, if he was down in the city, and he was maybe up overseeing or looking out. I don't really know, but it says that he basically stops. And when he saw the people, when he saw the crowd, the multitude that had gathered in front of him, He was moved with compassion. I don't know the last time that you looked out at a gathering of people or when you saw somebody or or you came in contact with a friend or a loved one or maybe you stood in a in a small group setting or you went to your workplace or you went to a uh, whatever it is that you went to where you looked over you saw a group of people and your heart just broke when you looked out over them. 
And I get when Jesus looks at you and when he looks at me as he did then, he doesn't see what we see. Jesus sees what? He looks at the heart. And so unlike you and I, when we look out at the the gathering of people, when I look out, I don't see a, I can't see just a a bunch of brokenness. No more than when you look around, you can see brokenness. Oftentimes, what do we see? We're a church. We put on our best outfit. We have the smile. You just got in a fight with your wife or your kids right before you got in, and you pulled in the parking lot, and all of a sudden it was, hey, we're at church. We got to get this together. Hey, I remember being a kid. Walking into church, having heard the fights and having yelled at each other, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, Jesus. We, we all understand. But we walk in here and we don't see sometimes the brokenness. Because we put a smile on. Songs of worship come on and we raise our hands or we, we bow our heads, we close our eyes, whatever it is. And, and we just look around and we think, oh, man, that's awesome. But when they go back in the car, it happens. We see brokenness with people that we know a little bit different, right? As we get to communicate and we get to talk and we, we hear things and we see things that are a little bit different because we get to know people a little bit different. Jesus looked out over the crowd and he was moved with, his heart was broken. broken. He had pity over the people. And here's why. Verse 36, he was moved with compassion on them, and it says, because they fainted. They were weary. And as I was reading, and as I was studying, and I was looking at that word, and and in my little study notes in in the margin of my Bible, it says, were weary. So Jesus was moved with compassion because they were weary. What in the world does that mean? When I think of weary, I think I'm a little tired. Just kind of, eh. You ever been to work and you're just kind of like, ah. And then when you get home or maybe the guy at work says something to you and you're just a little tired, you're weary. And you're like, ah. Dude's like, Whoa. Just ask you a question. When you're weary, that's, that's one of the things I kind of think of, just being tired, maybe a little agitated, maybe you're easily frustrated, more so than other times. But as I was looking at this, it, there's a couple words. One said torn and one said fainting. Because they were torn or because they were fainting, the latter of those fainting gives a pathetic picture if we apply it to the individuals that made up the flock. And here's taking this passage of Scripture and looking at it in the context of what he goes into and what he speaks of. And I'm just going to read for just a moment, but I wrote this down from my notes. We then have the image of the poor sheep that has lost its way, struggling through briars and thorns, getting out of them with its fleece, all torn and hanging in strips, dangling at its heels, or of it as lacerated by the beasts of the field to whom it is a prey, fainted and weary. 
Jesus is looking out, and as we go through the end of that particular verse, or the next, yeah, in verse number 36, he makes reference of, of as sheep having no shepherd. And so when Jesus looks out and he reads, or he makes the reference that they were, they were faint, they were weary, they were that, in reference to that, again, I'm not trying to read Jesus' mind, nor is the commentary that I was reading, but it makes mention of a, of a sheep being just lost, Maybe having just went through the, the thicket of the briars and it just kind of scratches its thin. Maybe it was, it was in a fight with another animal. It was just torn. It was weary. It was, it was just out there and lost. And here Jesus says in verse 36, He was moved with compassion because they were faint. They were weary. They were torn. They were beat up. I don't know about you, as I started studying, the first thing that came to my mind as I'm reading this thought and as I'm studying through this idea of Jesus looking at the people being faint is I'm looking at our country and I'm looking at the society in which we live and I see a whole bunch of people who are meandering around, who are faint, who are beat up, who have just came out of a fight, who have no direction or are clueless and lost as to what to do. And Jesus looks out at the multitude who is watching him heal people, who is watching him touch people, who is watching him get the, the, cast the demons out, who is watching him and who's done all of these things. And this multitude of people are following Jesus. What is he going to do next? And Jesus looks out broken with compassion. Because when he looks out, he doesn't see what you and I see. Here, let's just be real. I'll be real. If you were all following me and it was just multitudes gathering and multitudes gathering and multitudes gathering and we're sitting here and here we're in our third and fourth and fifth sermons or or, or, service this morning because the place is just packed. We're knocking out walls and, and it's just growing and growing and growing. And here's what I'm looking at. Look at what we're doing. Nah, Jesus stops and looks at the multitude and he says, I have compassion over the people because they're faint, because they're torn, because they're weary. I can picture this. Maybe Jesus is thinking he's looking out over them and he goes, man, if they only just understood why they're following me. If they only understood why I just healed the man with leprosy. If they only understood why I just cast the demons out. If they only understood why I just calmed the seas. If they only understood, if they just grasped it and he just stands and looks among them and he says, I am moved with compassion. And I don't know if Jesus wept at that point. It doesn't make reference to that. But I can think of kind of the same thing if we were to go back to that Luke passage in 19 where Jesus looked over the city and he wept. Yeah, it's a different stage of his life where he was weeping. He knew what was about to come, where he was going to be arrested and the things that were going to come shortly after that passage in Luke 19. But I can just, I'm just thinking. Christ was moved with compassion as he looked out and he saw the gatherings. I don't know what the multitudes were. I don't know if it was 100, I don't know if it was 10, if it was 5,000. I don't know. But he looks out and I'm moved because they're faint. Because they're torn. Because they're weary. 
Have you watched the news lately? Have you seen the things going on in our country lately? Do you think there's a bunch of kids that are out there that are torn and weary and they're faint? Do you think there's a bunch of adults out there that are torn and weary and they're faint? They don't know where their next meal's coming from. They don't know where they're going to find work. They don't know who's going to give them a high five or give them a hug and say, hey, I love you, I care for you. People are faint. And Jesus says, I'm broken. I have compassion because those are faint. Not only does it say in verse 36 that because they fainted, but it says in verse 36, because they fainted and were scattered abroad. The word here translates meaning more of a lying down. Giving the idea of the poor, wearied creature after all its struggles and wanderings, utterly beaten and dejected, having lost its way at its wit's end and resourceless. Just kind of throwing themselves down in despair. Where else do I go? Have you ever met that person? Have you ever met that person that maybe just looks at you and genuinely just says, I have no more hope. There's nothing else I can do. There's nowhere else I can turn. I don't know where to go next. Jesus looks out at the crowd, at the multitude of people, and he says, they are fainted. and They were scattered abroad. They were lying down. They were, they were dejected. They were beaten. If we were to kind of marry the two together, what I stated at the, at the beginning there was a sheep that's lost its way, struggling through briars and thorns, getting out of them, it, its fleece, they're, they're all torn, and the, the strips are just hanging and dangling. And they get to that place where they've, they've done all of those things. They feel like their bodies are just, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. That's what Christ saw when he looked out at the multitude. And he was moved with compassion. I think of the series that we're in and I think of this follow the leader idea. I'm pretty sure I can follow somebody who has a compassion who is broken at the peak. We can't understand it, and I get this. I can't, I can't grasp my mind around perfection and who Christ is and, and every entity of, of perfection. At the peak of his popularity, at the peak of everything of who Christ was, Healing and people and more people and more people and more people. We naturally say, man, I've arrived. Look what we've done. Look what I've done. And no, Jesus stops and he looks out and he says, I'm broken. I'm broken. 
because they're just torn and they're weary and they're, they're faint. They're all just scattered abroad. Look at them. They're just kind of laying there. They've, they're dejected. They have nowhere else to turn. They have nowhere else to go. Brings us to the last point here. You guys are like, whoa, it's only 11.30. Last point, that sounds good. I'm not done, I promise. Why was he moved with compassion? Because they fainted. Because they were scattered abroad. They were lying. They were dejected. But here's where it hits home. Or should hit home to us as we continue on. But why were, that, why were they that way? It says, as they were sheep having no shepherd. Both of these states, being fainted, being, being scattered abroad, comes where there is no, there's nothing to reach to. I get and I understand there's times in a Christian's life many will become discouraged and many will will fall on the wayside or many will get to a place where they feel so dejected, where they feel like they don't have hope and there's nowhere else that they can turn. But here's the reality. I have a shepherd. I have somebody who knows me by name. If we were to do a a big study, and I've done some of this, and I'm not going to re-preach the sermon I preached a number of months back, but if we were to go to John chapter number 10. In John chapter number 10, there's a very familiar passage of Scripture, but Jesus is teaching here in John chapter number 10, and I believe it's on the, the screens, but it says, A thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill. And to destroy, I am come, that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. In verse 11 it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Think of this. If we go back to chapter 9 of Matthew, and if Jesus looked out with, with those folks, if those folks understood that the shepherd was, was what we see in chapter or in, in John. I am the good shepherd, and the, the shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. If those that were in chapter in Matthew were, were, were in the multitude saying, I have a shepherd, I, I know the good shepherd, I, I see and I understand that he has given his life for the sheep. That we really look at sheep, we understand, and we've heard this sheep are dumb. Sheep meander, sheep go. And if we go to the shepherd, what's the shepherd's job? The shepherd's job is to to corral and to lead and to to keep them safe. The shepherd would, would, would find a place and they would build rocks and they would basically build a whole area around them and they would keep the shepherd and there was a place to come and a place to go and, and this sheep would know the shepherd's voice. And as we would continue in chapter 10 here in John, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep. Fleeth the wolf, catcheth him and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I, Jesus, am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me even so know I the Father, and I lay my life down 
or I lay down my life for the sheep. Psalm 23, what's it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me. He guideth me. He restoreth me. When I look at Matthew chapter number 9, and I look at this passage 36, that the, the people, when Christ looked out at the multitude as being faint, as being scattered abroad because they were sheep having no shepherd, I look at a city of Las Vegas. I look at a country. I see what's going on on the news. And if it doesn't hit home to you as a believer, I don't know what to do or how to help you. But we're living in days where people are faint and scattered abroad because they have no shepherd. We're living in days where people are faint, saying, I have nothing else to do. I have no more resources. I have nowhere to turn, and I have nothing to do. What do I do? Where do I go? We see fights. We see people killing. We see wars and all of the things. We know it's coming. It's the end times. We understand this. But we see it. Why? Because people are without hope. Why? Because they have no shepherd. And here's where it comes to you, and here's where it comes to me. And Jesus stopped here, and he said basically just this as we continue on. And the whole thing kind of changes. And Jesus says, The harvest is plenteous, plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Here's where this hits me in the face. Not because I'm a pastor and I'm coming to you today and I'm saying we need you to serve. We need you to do this. We need you to get on board and we need you and we need you. No, it's not that. Why did Jesus go there? Jesus went there because he had men, he had traveled and he had done all of these things, teaching and preaching and and he stops and he looks at the multitude and he says, I am moved with compassion. And he basically goes, but I can't do this on my own. And he looks at the disciples and he says, hey, you know what, guys? I need you to go. I need you to have compassion. Go. Why? Because as he looked out at the multitudes... Just as I've stated, as I've watched the news and you've watched the news, if your heart isn't broken for people today, I don't really know what to tell you other than your heart needs fixed. But as Jesus looked out with compassion on the people, he saw what? He saw men and he saw women who were broken and who were hurt. It says it right there. The harvest is plenteous. He saw a number of people that needed a Savior. He saw a number of people that needed a shepherd. He saw a number of people that needed what these guys had, and he said to do what? He said, but the laborers are few. Pray, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his field, or into his harvest. The challenge, the message, all of that this morning, and I promise you this whole point wasn't that that you would just sign up and you would get on your connection card and start telling me all the things that you want to do. 
That's not the point this morning. But here's the point. Christ was so moved with compassion because he overlooked the multitude of people that were hopeless. Church, my challenge to you is this. Do you look out at people and see hopeless lives? When you watch the news of all the stuff that's going on, do you look and just think they're hopeless? There's ho- there's, there is no hope. What else do we do? When I'm angry, what do I do? I'm hopeless. I, where do we turn? When my family has left me, where do I turn? As was stated here, I'm faint. I've just came through the, the briars and I've just came through fighting the animal and, and the sheep is just dangling. Just Have you ever saw an animal on their last leg? You ever watched Animal Planet or anything? Discovery Channel? They're just barely dragging. But they, they have that inner will of, I'm going to make it. We're going to get to the, I'm going to get to my pack. I'm going to get to the rest of my, they're going to get me better. But they just barely, just barely getting. Their flesh is just hanging on them. That's what Jesus saw. That's what Jesus saw. And then they're scattered abroad. They just get to a place and they stop and I can't go anymore. Church, let me ask you this. Do you have compassion? Do you have compassion? When you watch the news The last couple weeks have been crazy in this country. And I don't mean to bring anything up based on politics or any of that stuff, but I'm sorry, when I watch the news and I see the riots and I see the things that are taking place in our country, I often look and I think these are hopeless individuals who have nobody to lead and guide and direct them. That's the state of the people of the country in which we live. That's the state of the world. If there is no compassion from you and me, then who cares about them? Do you want me to tell you who cares about them? The Muslims sure care because they're reaching them over and over and over again. There's a whole lot of false religions out there that are growing super fast. Why? Because people are grabbing a hold and they're they're following on to something. Here's what we have. We have the shepherd. We have the only hope. We have it for those that are out there that are just trying. What do I do? What do I do? Where do I go? You and I, those of us that know Christ as Savior, are the only ones that can present the hope to those people. But here's the problem. I don't like to hear the problem, but here's the problem. We don't care. Because you know what those people do? They disrupt my time and they disrupt my life. That's what those people do. 
We don't care. Do you know what it is to take one of those cards and pass it out to somebody? It's an inconvenience to me. It takes time. It makes me stretch into something that I don't really like to do, not because I don't like church or I don't like God, but that's out of my comfort zone, and I can't do those things. And I'm not saying that just to step on toes this morning or just to be the the screaming, yelling pastor, but that's the reality of what it is. Jesus Christ was moved with compassion because he saw the people having no hope. And we look out and we see people having no hope and we go, well, they need somebody to teach them and lead them. Let me tell you who's going to teach and lead them. You and me. You and me. I can't any longer go to Walmart and think, well, there's other Christians around here that can tell them about Jesus No, guess what? I'm the only Christian that can tell them about Jesus. And I don't say that because of pride. I don't say that because of other churches. I don't say that. But here's what we got to get to. I can't rely on you to tell them. I've got to go. I can't rely on Central because they're the biggest church in town to do all the work. I've got to go. I can't rely on somebody else on the other side of town. No, I've got to go. But the only way that we go, the only way that I go, is when I look at people and I say, they're faint, they're scattered abroad, they have no hope. The only hope that they have is Him, and it's in you and it's in me. We have to. We have to. If it is to be and to create passionate followers of Christ Oasis, and that is the goal, and that is the end goal of everything that we do, then we have to find it somewhere within us that we find compassion because Christ had compassion. And there's people all the way around us that are lost. There's people all the way around us that have no hope. There's people all the way around us, you know what, they'd assume just kill themselves. Because there's nothing else to do. Where's your compassion? Where's my compassion? Christ had it. I can follow a leader that has compassion. He had compassion to go to a cross. He had compassion. He has compassion. And as we go forward, as we go forward, guess what? If we're to see our church grow, we need compassion. If we're to see the kingdom of God grow, we need compassion. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.